So I miss one Sunday and I forget that there's a sermon intro video. (laughs) Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. I'm Mike Bailey and we are excited to worship the Lord together. And listening to that song that we are free, how can that be, is, is really what we're here to focus in on, that we are free in Christ and that we have hope in Christ. And um, my prayer this morning is that we see that and we sense that and we know that in our hearts. Um, before I get into the message, I do want to say thank you to all the uh, encouraging emails and uh, calls and texts. Um, I'm very uh, appreciative of the support my family has been receiving. And thank you for, for keeping us in, in uh, your hearts, your prayers, and your thoughts Um, We're very, very thankful, and uh, we continue to journey together uh, as a church and as a family uh, into a place of of health and uh, God's will. This morning, we're finishing up a hashtag for short pump series. Uh, This is an interesting month. We are leading to our 30th anniversary. We've uh, we were planted here 30 years ago, and God has blessed. He put us here on purpose. He had a plan. He had a vision, and uh, he, has, he has been completing that and, and, and been able to uh, use us in some special ways throughout those 30 years. And also, uh, two weeks ago on Wednesday, Lent began. So there was preparation to celebrate Easter and the resurrection of Christ. And so with all those things, we are uh, focusing our hearts on why did God put us here? What are we called to do? And looking at Jesus's life and see how he was for 30 years, he lived a pretty um, private life. We don't know much from scripture of those first 30 years of his life. And here's this point where he is uh, at this testing, getting ready to go on mission and to reveal the truth of who he is in the gospel to the world. And so we want to be prepared and we want to be um, at the same place as we follow him and, and um, be his disciples. And so uh, we started this series with being filled, that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we can be filled with a lot of stuff, but we don't want to be filled with the wrong stuff. We want to be filled with the spirit of God who will guide us and give us wisdom, that we want to be influenced by that spirit, that we don't want to be influenced by the world or by uh, lies. We want to be influenced by the truth of the Holy Spirit. And uh, thank you to Roger Hesch last Sunday for sharing with us the, the worshiping of God and him alone, that that is part of uh, our journey and part of what God calls us to is to put him at the, the very center of who we are. And today we're going to look at testing uh, that, that God says not to test him. And part of the relationship is, is that we are, are to follow in faith. And, and as I was thinking about this message, I, it reminded me when I was a freshman at, in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, we would go to the James River and um, they still have these uh, pillars where they would have the train tracks. And so they would have these rocks that were, uh, were there to establish the, the trellises and the things for the train tracks. And we would go there, and at the beginning of the year when it was still warm, and we would jump off of those into the James River. And um, this is where the, the testing and the trust. I was young. I thought I was invincible. Maybe you've been there in your life, and uh, you want to impress people. I was a freshman. I wanted to them to know how tough I was, and, you know, I'm not afraid of anything. Well, unfortunately, it had not rained most of that summer. It was like the opposite of this year, and it was dry, and the James River was very low. And when you do this jump, um, you have to jump out to a certain spot where it's like six, seven feet deep because the rest of it isn't very deep. And so you kind of got to get a running start. And you got to jump out and try to get to that spot. Well, what happened is <laughs> I had these shoes that I had had for like six years. Uh, my feet stopped growing in sixth grade. <laughs> um, 
So I had these shoes that had dry rotted on the bottom and they were very slick. And, and so I got up there. No one, everyone else was afraid to do this. And I was tough and I was going to do it. And so I ran. And instead of getting that, that plant foot to jump, I slid. And I fell directly straight down next to um, this, pile, this pillar of rocks. And I landed uh, from about 20 feet in about three or four feet of water. And I came down. And I came up, and everything went black, and that was the end. No. <laughs> when I came up, it was like one of those experiences where everything goes in slow motion, and your life streams in front of you and all these things. And, and it was interesting because I had talked to some of my friends that were there, and they thought they saw me like this was the end of Mike. And, uh, but I came up, and, and everyone, you know, they are like, ah. Oh. And I was like, ah. <laughs> and I was okay. But I learned a very valuable lesson that day. Not to put the Lord my God to the test, right? That here I am, and, some, and maybe like, I, there's different ways we get tested, right? But I think young men especially, we like to test our, you know, how far can I go? How far can I go? But we're all tested this, we all test God in some way, right? And that's what we're going to look at this morning is, is if we're going to make a, a difference in short pump, if we are going to live out the calling that God's put on our lives, this test that, that Satan gives to Jesus is a reflection of something that we all struggle with, I believe, something that we all deal with. And that is when I make the decisions in my life, am I, am I really, um, is my will being done or is God's will being done? Am I testing him to live into what I want or Am I allowing his will to lead me and guide me? And so my question, before we go into this morning's message, um, do you test God? Right? This morning, have you ever tested God? If you think about your life, have you ever tested God? Have you ever said, God, if, if you do this for me, if I pass this test, I'm going to go to church. <laughs> right? Or, if, or if, this, if you heal me of this, then I will. There's a lot of different ways we test God. And this morning, I want to dive into that, and I want to think about that, and I want uh, God's word to speak into our hearts and our lives and help us um, to trust him and um, to not test him, but to live in faith and obedience to him and his word. So let's pray and uh, precede his words with prayer. Father, we come into your presence right now, and I think about my life and I think about the times it's been my will and not your will that was leading me. And so, Lord, I ask that you would teach us this morning to trust you and let your will be done the same way it's being done in heaven right now. Lord, I pray that you would give us, um, through these words that were recorded through Luke, um, that they would impact us right now, that they would stir us and they would grow us and they would challenge us. And Lord, that they would bring life to us and Lord, that we would see clearer today um, how to walk uh, this journey that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would, um, on that journey, that you would keep us safe, that you would keep our eyes on you and that you would be the focus of everything that we say and do. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would call them, um, that you would speak to them. And Lord, for all of us, I pray that we would sense you and that, um, Lord, as we read these words, that they would, they would mean something to us. And Lord, we thank you that, um, that you're faithful. We thank you that you love us. 
And we ask that you would just do a mighty work within us right now. You, you tell us if we ask for wisdom, you will give it to us. And so we ask for that now. And we ask for it in Jesus, your name. We pray this. Amen. This morning we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 4. Uh, Verses 9 through 13, this is the culmination of the temptations that Jesus faced while uh, he had fasted for 40 days. And remember, everything that we do here at Gaten is modeled after Jesus' life, what he did, his mission. And his mission was this mission being led by God, that this upward relationship to God was the most important part of his life, was this upward relationship to God, that he would worship God with everything he, he was, and that every decision he made would be in alignment with this upward relationship with God. God. And then he would use that to, to teach his disciples. So there was this inward relationship with a family of people that were his disciples. And then from there, there was an overflowing out into the community. And that that was the mission to share with the whole world that, that God desires all to come to salvation and all to come to repentance. And so there's this up in and out relationship that Jesus has. And, and as he begins his mission, as he begins this ministry, um, he is led by the spirit, that upward relationship into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he fasts. He doesn't eat for 40 days. And at the end of this 40-day period, he is confronted by the enemy. And the enemy begins to challenge him on his abilities. And as you remember, first he wanted to turn the rock into bread. He was starving. Um, It was a gift. It was ability he had to do. But he chose not to do it because he said, man does not live by just bread alone. But every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that that life is not just about the physical, that that really life is much more about this upward relationship than it is the horizontal relationship we have with the the physical world. Then he he began to go, and and last week uh, Roger shared that he took him to a high mountain or a high place, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and he said, if you worship me, then I will give these to you. And once again, Jesus responded to the enemy and said that I will worship God and God alone. That there's only one place of upward relationship, and that is with God. And then finally, now we see the enemy. He has, he's uh, moving forward, and this is his, his, his third challenge to, to the Lord. And here was where we begin in, in verse 9. And he led Jesus and he led him to, the, to Jerusalem, and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And so back in November, we were able to visit this area, and, and actually within Jewish history, Jewish culture, especially during this time, the belief was that the Messiah, the chosen one, the one that Isaiah talked about, the one that the prophets had prophesied about, the one that was going to free Israel and, and make them a great nation and give them the power that they've been waiting for, would actually stand uh, they believed part of their, their belief system was that he would stand on the top of the temple. The Messiah would come, and one of the, the ways you would know he was the Messiah is that he would be standing on the temple. One of the other interesting things is that Jesus would have known as, as the enemy takes him to this place, and he's standing there on the, uh, looking down, that he would have known this is where his journey was going. This is where he was headed. This was the mission, that mission, the upward relationship to God that he was following was going to lead him to Jerusalem where he would die on a cross. And so he knew that this was where the fulfillment of his ministry, the fulfillment of his mission was going to come to completion. And so these are all some of the reasons we can believe the enemy has taken him to this place, this pinnacle, this place where he could oversee all that was ahead of him. This is the place Jesus knew he was going. 
And here's what he said. He said to him, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God. Now, twice in his temptations uh, to Christ, he asks him this question. If you really are the son of God, he questions his identity. He questions who he is. And this is a place I can relate because I believe we're all tempted in this way. If you're really a Christian, why are you doing this? If you're really a pastor, how can you be like that? Right? C.S. Lewis, in, in, in a couple of his books, he reveals this kind of culture that we have within us. Sometimes I'm so prideful that I don't think the rules apply to me and my identity. Well, I'm, I'm Mike. I don't have to do that. Right? This is who I am. I don't have to do that. And the enemy tempts me into thinking that my identity is better than others. Or sometimes the enemy tempts me into believing that my identity is worse. And that how could God ever help me? Look at all the horrible things I've done. I'm not redeemable. My identity, who I am, I'm not redeemable. And so the enemy is going at where Christ is and he's saying, if you are the son of God, if you have this upward relationship with God, if this is really why you're here, he questions his identity. He puts it to the test. And he says, if this is who you really are, throw yourself down from here. Throw yourself down from here. It's interesting as you look at that, you know, there the enemy is. He's right next to Christ. Why doesn't he just push him over? (laughs) Right? This is a very powerful and important thing to note that the enemy can get you to the place where you say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna test God here or I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump from this place, but he can't push you to do it. For all of us, it's a choice. Christ had a choice. He was not forced into anything. And the enemy gets us to that place. He gets Christ to that place and he says, throw yourself. He gives, them the, he gives him the idea, but he has no authority to actually fulfill the idea. And in our own lives, that that connects in my heart, it connects in my life. Yes, I can get to that place where temptation is right there, but I have have to realize in that very moment that there is no sin that that is impossible to escape. There is no temptation that is so great that I can't walk away from it. And so here I find uh, Christ, I find myself at this place where um, I'm not going to be pushed. I have to actually do it myself. And then it is very interesting, this next part, it is very interesting because then the enemy actually quotes scripture. He says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. He uses the same technique that Jesus had used, but he misuses scripture. He's quoting from Psalms. And, and this is a place where the Israelites had not trusted God. And that's why they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. It's interesting that connection point that they're wandering in the same place that Jesus is being tempted. And, and he's saying, he's quoting from a verse where, where the, that they were, it was said that the Messiah would not be harmed. If you're one of God's chosen, you will not be harmed. And yet, even in that place, the Israelites had missed the point. And so I want to illustrate this for you. So just bear with me.
Hi, guys. <laughs> I'm up here. Here you have it. Here's the situation. Here's the story. The enemy has taken Jesus up to this very high place. He's over the temple. He's looking down, and he says, look, he's not out of breath either. <laughs> He says, look, if you just step over, and, you, and I'm not going to do it, if you just step over, if you just step over and you fall down, these angels are going to sweep down and they're going to hold you up. And you're not going to get hurt. And then guess what? Everyone's going to see it. Everyone's going to witness it. And then that's going to spread to everyone that the Messiah is here. And guess what? You don't have to go to the cross anymore. You can fast forward. You can just skip all that stuff. Just, just step, Jesus, if you just step over and you fall, you're promised by your father you can't get hurt. And so if you take this step, you can avoid that pain. You can avoid that suffering. You can avoid that challenge that you know the next three years of your life is going to hold. Just take the step. Just take the step. I'm back. All right, so the enemy has made his case. He's trying to convince, I'm walking even further than Roger did last week. He's made his case, right? He's presented it. What is Christ's response? And Jesus answered and said to him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6, 16 is where he's quoting from. You should not put the Lord your God to the test. You know, when I read that the first time, all I could think about was me jumping off into the James River. That was the test. But then as I thought about it, and I, and I tried to really hear what is the Lord saying here, it was the same thing that Jesus was, would have struggled with in this, this temptation. How many times do I go to God and I say, God, if you just get rid of all this challenge in my life, if I can just walk and not deal with this stuff, if there's a, if there's a, a loophole, if there's an easier way, if there's, a, if there's like a, a different route I can go to avoid this pain that I'm in, I'm gonna take that, right? If there was just anything, like even if it's taking a step off of what might seem like a very high place. That was the temptation. And Jesus responds to him. He says, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. This is a very tricky part. This is a very challenging part for me personally because the truth is, is what it's saying is my relationship, that upward relationship to God, that relationship is not a relationship I can control and tell God if then. If you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. It's not how the relationship works. If I want to make an impact in short pump, if, I want to, if our church wants to make a difference in the world and in short pump, it's not an if-then relationship. It's a, I'm faithful to whatever you're calling me to. 
I'm not going to put you to the test. I'm not going to tell you how things should be. I'm going to listen to you and follow what you have. Because there's this interesting path. The enemy used it from the very beginning when he deceived Eve in Genesis 3. The fruit was beautiful to the eyes, knew it would taste good, and would make, e- make her equal with God. It's the same thing he uses with all of us today. It's how do I exalt myself? How do I make my life as comfortable as possible? And how do I get all the things I want? And what Jesus says is to be a follower of him is to really turn that all upside down. Completely upside down. The message that frees short pump, that frees me, that the gospel message is a message that says, um, I'm a sinner in need of, of the grace of God through Christ in my life. And this is upward relationship is the most important relationship I can have. It is the central most important relationship I can have. And in that relationship, then I can grow with those around me and deepen that relationship. And then from that deep relationship that I have with the Father, an overpouring from within me goes into the world. And that outpouring is an outpouring of freedom. It's an outpouring of freedom. But I can't put God to the test. I can't say, God, I'll start sharing my faith when you fix my problems. I'll start living for you when life gets easier, when my finances get better, when A, B, or C, you fill it in. We all have it. That's not how the relationship works. And so this morning, as we look at this, and he says, you should, put the, you should not put the Lord your God to the test He says, faith is built in this trust that even in the midst of trials, in the midst of challenge, God is still there, right? Faith is not believing when it's easy. Faith is not trusting when it's going your way. Faith is saying, God, I trust you no matter what. I trust you no matter what, and I'm not gonna put you to the test. I'm not gonna ask you to prove your love to me. I'm not gonna say, I'll I'll go to church if you help me pass this test. Because I realize the relationship is a relationship where I am looking up to you, you have created me for you, and I am to live in that every day of my life. And so the the temptation ends, and it says, when the devil had finished every temptation, he had left him unto until an opportune time. Basically, evil had nothing more to suggest. The enemy had nothing more to suggest to Jesus. And I would submit that these are probably the three areas that challenge us the most of making a difference. But even beyond that, these are the three that challenge us from having this deep upward relationship to God. I would also say that this is the freedom that is offered when we come to Christ is that we no longer are controlled by these three temptations. We no longer are controlled to build my own kingdom. We are no longer controlled by always satisfying my flesh. We're not always controlled by how we're perceived, but that we are truly in line with our Father and loving him and living for him and knowing him and growing in him. 
I also see here that temptation will always show up. Doesn't matter how young, old you are, temptation is going to show up in your life. One of these three is hitting you all the time. I heard a pastor once say that he would pay his kids a quarter every time they could tell him what temptation on a commercial they were using to get the person to buy the product. It's interesting. It's all around us. It's constant. But there's victory in it. And there's hope in it. And we live in a place and we live in a time where people are enslaved to these things. And they are imprisoned to these things. And God has given us freedom through Christ. And that's the message we desire to share. That is the message we desire to live. And so I believe for short pump to be freed, it begins with us. Because short pump needs to be freed from its enemy. Everybody you know needs to be free in Christ. They need to be freed from these three powerful uh, testing temptations but we find freedom in Christ. And we find this upward relationship that defines who we are and guides us every single day. And so this morning, as we come to an end of looking at this really interesting story, it's really interesting because Jesus would have had to tell Luke and Matthew about it. He would have had to say, this is what happened to me. And I want you to record it. Do you know why Jesus said he wanted it to be recorded? So that you and I could talk about it right now. Because it applies because it's relevant to me at this very moment. It's relevant to my life. It's relevant to every decision I make. It's relevant to us as a church. It's absolutely relevant that I see how Jesus dealt with these trials. And every single time, what did he do? He said, I am submitted to the Father. That upward relationship defines my life, defines my mission, defines who I am. And so the question that we come to an end, if we're truly going to make a difference, it begins with who I am and who's leading me. And it's a really good question for all of us. What is, what is at the core of who I am? What leads me? What guides me? What defines me? Not what do I say, not what do even maybe I want to be true, but re- what really does. What is that relationship that defines who you are? Is it your upward relationship to God? Because he offers that to us. He offered to every single one of us. He's offering it to us. And he's saying, come, come to me. If you're weak, if you're downcast, whatever you're going through, just come. I love you. And I want to be there as your heavenly father. So as we close this time in prayer, what is he saying to you? I truly believe that God speaks to us. He speaks, I mean, he's, he's very clear in my heart where he says, Mike, what are you doing? But he also says, Mike, I love you. Mike, I care about you. And Mike, just keep walking. Just keep going. Don't give up. What is he saying? Are we listening? Are we hearing it? Are we reading it and knowing it to be true? What is he saying to you? Because that to me, if I persuade you or someone persuades you into something, that is very artificial. But when the spirit of God speaks to your heart, there's nothing more powerful. What is he saying to you this morning? Let's listen. Let's listen. Let's pray.
Father. I know that now, even as we talk about these things, we only see them dimly. We see them not as clearly as we will see them. But Lord, what you have revealed through this message, through these words, through Luke and Matthew, and, and Lord, what you've said through, through um, the prophets that were before you, and, and, and Lord, what you said while you were here on earth, revealing who you are, revealing things of life, revealing things of hope, revealing things of the future. Lord, help us now to hear your voice within us, to know that your Holy Spirit is guiding and leading and protecting and, and, and revealing where and what we are to do. Lord, we know that you planted this church at this time, at this place, and you, you desire to reveal your love and your freedom um, of the salvation you paid for on the cross to this world and to this place. And Lord, we want to be those reflections of you. And, and we, Lord, want to live into that right now. And Lord, even if maybe in this moment someone who hears me praying to you is being challenged in their heart or, or Lord, whatever it is, I pray that you would show them who you are. Show us all who you are every single day, more and more, so that we can walk in obedience and walk in faith and trust you. And Lord, that, that we wouldn't fall into these traps that are all around us, that you would lead us not into temptation but that you would deliver us from evil. Lord, we know your kingdom is coming. We know that the, the, the time is drawing near. Help us to see that. Help us to live that. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for all that you have done, all that you are going to do. And I pray that you use all of us and that you love us and that you speak to us and, and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.